This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. It's Wednesday, 22nd of March. England begin their Euro 2024 campaign tomorrow in Naples. So I've left a damp Stansted Airport and landed in the city of Bari. (laughs) So on the eastern coast of Italy, uh, along with a fair few other England fans, with the same idea of getting to the game. So before then, I've got the afternoon to uh, have a mooch about, get some beers and have something to eat. Something worth mentioning, landing at the airport at Bari, uh, any England fan was taken to one side and filmed head to toe whilst holding your passport. Very strange situation. It's one that I'd seen Liverpool or Manchester City fans experience a while back. Not something that I'd ever experienced following England away in all the years that I've done it. I'm working on the basis that I've got nothing to hide. So, and to be fair, I don't even know what would have happened if I'd have refused to have my I'd have myself filmed. I don't quite know what will become of it, what sort of records I will go on um, in Italian police. I'm not quite sure of the legalities of it either, let's be honest. But there wasn't a great deal I could do about it. But that was coming into Bari. Whether people have had the same going into Rome, going into Naples, I don't know. Um, But, yeah, the interesting thing that happened when I... uh, when I touched down, there's plenty of England fans all around Bari, all looking to go on a coach organised by Block 109, heading towards Naples tomorrow. So I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you then. So we are, match day morning, interestingly, just about to board the bus, the coach to, uh, to the ground, and the same police that were at the airport yesterday, old Cabanieri, have uh, met us at the bus. At the coach pickup point. It's a very strange situation. Not something I've encountered before. I don't know if we're getting an escort out of the city or what. We'll see. So, made it to Naples. The Lion's Den, as some would uh, have it. Escorted all the way from Bari by the local police, the local cabanieri. All the way. Blue lights, sirens at times especially coming out of the city where they would just stop everyone and let us go past. I'm guessing for our own safety. Um, I've got to say, it feels a little bit extreme. But I've got to say, cheers to Paul Dennis um, for organising it all. But what they've done is they've dumped us down at the port in almost like a holding pen. Loads of carabinieri everywhere. 30, 35 people on a coach from Bari and they've parked us up in a P1 
penned off area next to a massive cruise liner and we can't go anywhere literally well until we're told to um, <laughs> it's strange because obviously there's two and a half thousand other England fans who have come into Naples can come go as they please and 30 of us from Bari have felt that we may be some sort of troublemakers no oh, I don't know it's very strange but anyway as we came into Naples there is uh, we passed Vesuvius which is pretty big but looking we came past the port area as we drove in and, and any port area as you know is can be a bit grimy so yeah first impressions the sun's out it's a city where uh, looks like there's a lot of there's some work going on some cranes but we just don't know what to do at the moment everyone's just wandering around so we've finally made it into the ground on a convoy of coaches being blue lighted through rush hour uh, you've heard all the stories before haven't you the likes of I think it was Manchester City Liverpool Leicester we've heard them all before where the uh, the coaches will take you round the houses and it came as no surprise that they took us an extra hour hour and 20 minutes out of our way I mean, everyone's got Google Maps on their phone, haven't they? They're fooling no one. But, uh, yeah, we um, made it into the stadium, and there we are. But to get through, there was the, the ticket checks. There was walls of armed police with riot shields. Two or three checks with tickets, pat-downs. It really has been probably the most secure game, away game, that I've ever been to. But into the stadium we are, and then sitting fairly near the front, Napoli, written in the stands opposite from me, running track grounds. It's an England section of about, I think it's two and a half thousand, glass screens either side, and it's got this sort of mesh roof over it, like girders almost like, which the, the floodlights hang from. But already in the, uh, the ground flags are up, Wigan Athletic there, it's a derby one I've seen, Three Lions Pride are in there, Barnsley flag as well, plenty more to be hung as the, uh, the game approaches kick-off. So now before kick-off, Gareth has announced his team. Here we go, the first 11 of this European Championships qualifier for Germany. Jordan Pickford in goal, Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw, Declan Rice, John Stones, Harry Maguire, Bukayo Saka, Calvin Phillips, Harry Kane, Jude Bellingham, Jack Grealish. I think it's safe to say there are no real surprises there, but we're pretty much putting out our strongest team straight away. Let's hope this is a, a team comes away with all three points. We'll wait and see. So 
referees at the monitor. If this is called, we obviously know the situation is going to take it and what happened last time. Referee turns. Oh, here he goes. Walks across the, uh, the running track. Square. Points. Penalty. Come on. Penalty handball. Harry Kane to break Wayne Rooney's record. Wayne Rooney broke Bobby Charlton's record at Wembley with a penalty. Harry Kane here to break the record for England. Put us 2-0 up. Come on. Two minutes till half time. On, in we go. In we go. Superb, been one team in it this half, one team by a country mile. Silence this place, come on! Referees having an absolute nightmare. We're down to 10 men, Luke Shaw's been sent off. Harry Maguire was clattered, ploughed into, was down for 30 seconds. John Stone's not aware of what's going on, he's surrounding him, he's, he's overlooking him. Melee's gone on, and Luke Shaw's been sent off without the 10 men. The referee has lost the plot here, he's lost control. result 2-1 away victory in Naples a real game <laughs> real game of two halves I'll, uh, I'll get to that in a minute but before I do I just want to mention a couple of things before my voice goes we were told that the stadium capacity had been reduced to about 48,000 although it didn't really seem apparent where that reduction was not that I could see no real area appeared to be cornered off what I did notice, though, was the lower tier uh, appeared to have quite a collection of, I don't know, it might have been school kids or tickets given out to various organisations, possibly like the uh, Cubs or Scouts or the, or the equivalent, as they all appeared to be grouped together in like a, a same sort of uniform. So I'm, so I'm assuming that they didn't want a stadium with a lot of spare seats, if you get my drift. 
Now, I'm not one for pre-match light shows, cameras on like a Coldplay gig, uh, but the lights around the running track with the players' names on, that was a clever touch. I don't know, I don't know how they'd done it. I don't even know if it came across on the telly, but just imagine a mass, long string of Christmas tree lights, uh, one in each lane of the running track, uh, and these were somehow programmed to light up in a way that showed the Italian players' names and their number. Very clever, uh, beyond all my understanding, to be honest. Also a nice touch was acknowledging the passing of Gianluca Vialli, um, who recently died. Was it, was it before Christmas or just after Christmas? Um, it was a, a moment for him up on the big screen. Both sets of fans applauding, which was good. But back to the game, Italy had pushed and were looking dangerous for the first, I don't know, six, seven eight minutes until we finally got a foothold where we won a corner which Kane had an effort parried by the keeper and eventually ended up at the feet of Declan Rice who scored after 12 minutes and from there we took the ascendancy really plenty of um, possession through Grealish and Bellingham Phillips had an effort just wide did Sakharov one too I think possibly and then came Harry's moment again another corner back post he's gone up headed it against the defender's arm they're horrible if they go against you but in this instance by the letter of the law it's handball isn't it penalty Donnarumma the wrong way Kane goal 54 uh, and you'd imagine this campaign could see him break 60 dare I say it who knows really could see him see him getting that uh, Jack Grealish should have made it three. Put the game right out of sight, shouldn't he? But um, yeah, he put it put it wide. But basically, half time came at the wrong time, didn't it? Second half, we came out a shadow of the side from the first. Italy gained more possession and eventually scored. The stadium made some noise, in truth, from their from their end. And then, as the half went on, the referee was beginning to make some strange, irrational decisions. Uh, in truth, the first half, he wasn't that clever too. But the second half, uh, it's almost like he found a deck of cards to give out. I missed it at the time, but Luke Shaw was apparently booked for not being, for not having a ball to throw in. <laughs> uh, and then two minutes later, he was sent off. So we were down to ten men with ten or so minutes to go. But we held on, dug deep, came away with a famous victory. We haven't had something like that for a little while. Nothing like a good Italian job, is there? And as fans, top job all round. Whilst we got in early, uh, it would appear that there was a quantity of England fans who were given some rough treatment by a large contingent of riot police. I don't know the full story, only from what I've seen on sort of footage. Uh, it's just unnecessary, heavy-handed overseas policing on England fans that you'd hope that questions will be asked of the, uh, the police there. I doubt it. Uh, but that's my view of the game. Here are what some other fans thought of it. Ben Clark from Needham Market in Suffolk. Um, yeah, thought, thought we'd be a dominant first half. Um, took a little while to get going, but once, once we got going, I thought we were in, in control, to be honest, for large parts of the first half. Um, Going two goals up in their backyard, obviously something very impressive, and, and kickstarts our, our qualifying campaign. Um, 
thought Greenwich had it, obviously everyone thought it as well, but had a very good chance to make it 3-0 just before half-time, but you know, it goes to 2-1 in the second half and they're, they're knocking on the door and you think, oh, are we going to live to regret that? But um, yeah, thankfully we've not and uh, made a few changes and, and no injuries going into Sunday, so fingers crossed it'll uh, be another win then and, and a good start. Gary here from Channel England Football, what a result, first, first victory in 60 years in Italy. Absolutely buzzing. Atmosphere were amazing. England fans were cracking. Uh, made Naples look quiet. Brilliant result after a seven-hour bus journey. Bring on the bring on Ukraine on Sunday. Yeah, Matt Johnson, uh, old stage of Cheshire. Yeah, it's a um, fantastic win. Obviously, sixty odd years since we last won in Italy. First half was one of the best performances I can remember seeing England, especially away from home at another top nation. Controlled the game and really took it to Italy. Um, should have got the third goal just for half time with a Grealish, Grealish chance but didn't take it and then obviously the second half was more disappointing but, um, we dug in after 2-1 the red card as well we dug in got the job done England fans were class good day out, good day out of the office uh, three points on the board and off we go Well, it's Sunday, it's damp, <laughs> back in England, but I'm on my way to Wembley. It's England against Ukraine. And do you know what? I've had some thoughts about Ukraine. Despite the fact that they haven't played together for, what's it, five, six months, they are still a force to be reckoned with. The players they've got, obviously there is the background to it all. They very much want to have a positive impact on things back home. Um, so I don't think this is going to be as straightforward as we, we may anticipate it to be, or, or some people may anticipate it to be. So, and we all know how good Ukraine are, have been previously, they've got some quality players. So I think we're going to be in for a, uh, an entertaining game. Obviously, I hope that we, uh, we come out on top and we can go through this period with, uh, with six points. But we shall, uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. I'm looking forward to it. So a couple of beers in central London. We find ourselves making our way to Wembley. Just I'm about to get onto the train. The team has been announced. Uh, Jordan Pickford in goal, Cole Walker, Ben Chilwell. Declan Rice, John Stones, Harry Maguire, Bakayo Saka, Jordan Henderson, Harry Kane, Jude Bellingham, uh, and James Madison. Uh, so a few changes from the team that played in Naples the other night. Um, but there was also talk, I've just seen, that Phil Foden has gone home, or has gone into hospital with, um, gone to have his appendix taken out, which is... Uh, which is a little procedure, so we're all fine these days now. But uh, yeah, after just having a, uh, a short period in Naples where he got subbed on and then subbed off, um, yeah, he's gone to have his uh, appendix out. So uh, yeah, all the best to him. But yeah, just looking at the team, Ben Chilwell is a change, Jordan Henderson is a change, and James Madison is a change. So I think that's three changes from the other night. As we make our way towards Wembley.
So, as you heard, I thought the game was going to be closer than it eventually turned out to be. Whilst I was walking to the station, I started remembering those Ukraine teams and players of the past. You remember Shevchenko, Rebrov, uh, there was Luzhniki as well. Um, Luzhniki, that was the stadium, wasn't it? Luzhny, um, he played for Arsenal. And as the current players, they've now got Zinchenko, Mudrik as well. They've been to a World Cup. They've been to numerous European championships. But on this occasion, <laughs> I think those thoughts got the better of me. Uh, anyway, uh, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Manchester City and England fan, Matt Asprey, to go back over it and the, uh, the international window in general. Matt, hello, mate. Hi, Russell. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Voice is just about holding out. <laughs> Yeah, don't we after after yesterday a bit of singing and that, you know, you, you do after the day of recovering. Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I tried to do a bit of singing yesterday, and, and sort of not many people were that interested, really. But we'll uh, we'll maybe come on to the uh, the Wembley atmosphere, as it were, um, in a bit. Yeah, Ukraine at home got the job done, or the international window as well. Six points out of uh, possible six, job done, basically, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better start. I think after the World Cup, there was a bit of nervousness. Would England carry on that momentum from the France game? Because we walked away, well, I certainly walked away with a lot of positives despite losing. And it seems like the the positive vibe around that England camp in Gareth Southgate has just gone up a level. Um, I mean, in the build-up to both games, all the players on media duty were just saying how great it was that he's extended he extended his deal. And yeah, it just seems like, you know, this camp will have been more or less together now for two tournaments. They're preparing for a third one. Fingers crossed they qualify. I mean, they put themselves in a great position. And um, after those two performances, I know it's early to say in this whole cycle, but I'm getting excited for, for next summer already. You're not on the verge of booking tickets, are you, to Germany? No, but I mean, we're, I was thinking quite a bit about going to Berlin, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, but I think two wins from two and then, you know, the next one's Malta, North Macedonia, North Macedonia, no mugs, but we've got them at home. Um, so that should be a routine, but it also depends on what condition the players will be in going into that next break because they're not in the end of what has been a congested calendar with the World Cup and everything, but yeah, you can't, can't beat two wins from two and two great performances to back it up. Yeah, no, too right. I mean, with those two games coming up, Malta and North Macedonia, um, you would think that it's an opportunity to maybe just blood a few fresher faces, newer faces to come in. Um, and it could be argued that the game against Ukraine, we we done that with with James Madison finally getting a. Um, I see someone earlier called it a second debut. Um, he's finally got his second cap. I I think he could be one for the future. He certainly done himself no harm in that game, did he? No, he didn't. I mean, you talk about the second the second debut sort of thing. I mean, I think that the last time he played for England was the one thousand international against Montenegro, which. Seems like a lifetime ago. That's how yeah. long it's been. But yeah, he put in a good performance. And as you said, um, I was I was very surprised Tony didn't start on Sunday against Ukraine. I thought he was going to be a shoe in. As soon as he was like in called up, I thought 
Italy obviously start with Kane and then um, but at the moment you can't really drop Harry Kane, can you? No. Otherwise it's just like I mean, you know, he got another goal on Sunday. So yeah, but as you said, I would I would quite like to see some newer faces. I think Madison and Tony should get a proper run in that some in those June games. But yeah, Madison got a great account himself and um yeah, he seems to have just he seems to now be going quietly about his business on the pitch. I can remember when uh, we played Czech Republic and um, Bulgaria back-to-back away games, and I'm pretty sure he was called up to that squad, okay. but then he pulled out through injury, and then there was all the stuff of him being spotted in a casino and yes. that back in England while England were playing. So yeah. it seems to me that he's matured a lot. Uh, maybe him staying away from not being called up by England for quite a while has done him a world of good. Because some players, some young players take to it well, some players don't. And yeah, I think now, because obviously he's the main man at Leicester as well, I think that's given him more responsibility. It's like shown that he can be a crucial player. And I'm, I'm re- I really do hope he has no major injuries surrounding England games and surrounding future tournaments because he's a really good talent. And yeah, Sunday couldn't have gone any better for him. Yeah, no, he made some, made some great probing runs. And yeah, he just enjoyed himself. Uh, you mentioned Ivan Tony. He came on, I think he probably came on with about 10 minutes to go. So a 10 and a bit of injury time. Um, he was he was making himself known, um, but didn't really get a, a proper sniff um of the, uh, of an opportunity. He just gotta hope that whatever the result of his betting situation um is involved in doesn't doesn't haunt him going forward with England. Yeah, but already it doesn't seem to be, especially when he's been playing for Brentford. I mean, as you said, he came on for 10 or so minutes and was putting himself about, but I don't, I can't really recall him touching the ball. I don't seem to remember him getting the ball at all. But as you said, yeah, the better thing is the dark cloud that hangs over mm. him, but I, it doesn't seem to be effective him. I mean, he's still scoring freely for Brentford and, I think as long as he just sticks to his job on the pitch, it shouldn't be a problem. But I would like to see Tony play a lot more. But it's just how you factor him into a team because I presume you'd want to be that focal point in the centre. But that's occupied by Kane. So Southgate's got to try and find a way to factor that in. Because I don't, I, it's also the money of a side of Kane. I don't see how Tony gets into that front three at the moment. That's the problem. So hopefully we do get to see more of it. But it's, it gives another string to our bow because he's a different kind of striker. And also, whenever there's dreaded penalties or whatever, he, I mean, he, he can put them away in his sleep. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting exciting. But I think just for a lot of England fans, they're just glad to finally see him get the reward for how well he's been playing. Yeah, he was uh, England's, I believe he was the 1,272nd player to play for England I think so um yeah no well done to him he's finally got his uh finally got his international cap he's come in a competitive game so it means he can't go anywhere else um let's say he replaced Kane Kane is Harry Kane um not only did he break the record in Italy break Wayne Rooney's goal scoring record in Italy he added to it against Ukraine with a um almost like a little He'll tap in. He was there at the right place at the right time, wasn't he? Which is what Harry Kane does to put us 1-0 ahead. 
Yeah, but that's what he's so good at. I mean, I think maybe the reason why he's like he's flourished this international break is because it's probably just a nice break from the chaos that is Tottenham Hotspur at the moment. <laughs> um you you do forget with the records like how long he's been playing in that England team. I think I saw someone on Twitter earlier like post is like all his England goals, and you go that far back. I mean, I've I do I do, like obviously with us playing more or less similar teams in each qualifying period and that like you do so it all sort of merges into one, and it's a it's just crazy. He's just always been there, and some of the goals as well. Um, even though it's right place, right time, but it's the technique to finish it. I mean, one that all that automatically springs to mind was Scotland away in the World Cup qualifiers of 2018 when he scored that last oh. minute equaliser. I mean, you know, it was a lofty ball into the box, and for someone of his height to get to pull off the acrobatic finish he did, like leaping the air and poking it in, you know, it takes a special kind of talent, and you know. He's just records records are tumbling, um, and it it's so funny coming from. He's come a long way since Euro twenty sixteen when he was taking corners. That's the thing. Like he was saying, I can remember every time watching that tournament when England were playing, he was taking corners, and everyone was just going, "What's he doing? He's a striker. He should be taking the corners." So, yeah, I think um, he has become the face of this England team now, and. To see him break the records and just see how much it meant to him as well is was great to see. I mean, during the presentation, he had all his family come on to go with him with the boot. I mean, I think his two daughters had came out as his mascots for the Ukraine game, and they had uh, they had daddy on the back of their shirts. And yeah, it's just it, it's just great. You know, he is our talisman, and it's it is it always it comes up with his club form as well but like you know it's just it will be a real shame if he doesn't get at least one winner's medal and I think the whole squad will want him to as well uh, I mean after the Italy game when he broke the record there was all the photos of him with the frame you know celebrating yeah. his record yeah. and all the squad were all the squad were delighted and proud of him so that I think that will have worked in our favour and brought them even more together going look Kane is delivering let's all pull let's all Let's all pull together and let's go and get let's go and get a trophy and get something that he he deserves really. Yeah. Well, thankfully he's not taking corners anymore. Do you know what yeah. I'm thinking? I, I want to say 2015, Lith, Lithuania at home. Did he come on as a sub and scored within a few minutes? I might be wrong. Someone will pick me up on that one, but um, I'm pretty sure that that might have been his first one. But someone else who's uh, scoring for fun. Uh, who scored three minutes later, Bukayo Saka. Uh, he's had a, a great, great season, um, a great couple of games as well. Um, was a, He provided both corners in Italy that we scored from. Um, he, he teamed up with Harry Kane for Harry Kane's goal. He put the cross in um, and then he, he scored a, a worldie, really, didn't he, uh, for the second goal? Yeah, fantastic effort from um, Saka. But yeah, he's another one who has come into his own. Again, it's another example of that England bounce back um, story like Kane, where obviously just two years ago, it was when he missed that penalty against Italy. And you thought, how is Saka, a person of his very young age, going to bounce back from something as big as that? And obviously all the reaction, all the fallout from it. And he has just gone from strength to strength. 
for Arsenal, his club, he's been immense. And then now for England, I mean, I think most England fans now would say when you're making that team sheet, your fir- first two names on there are Kane and Saka. And I don't, as we were talking about the Tony thing earlier, I don't know how anyone takes him out of that team unless Saka is being rested or he's injured. I don't know, but he is like, he has gone on to another level and that goal yesterday against Ukraine just summed it all up. It was just, you know, he has really flourished. It seems like Southgate has now found the formula at that in terms of in, in attacking options of getting the most out of Saka. And also when I was like reading back on the games and that, and also looking at like his position and that, one thing he does do is that he's always so high down the flanks. Therefore, those full the foot the opposition fullbacks will struggle and also he's got he's good with his feet as well. So he's got he's got everything to make a perfect attacking player on out wide. So yeah, that that effort, that goal yesterday capped off what has been a great international break and has added to what has all what has been a breakout season for him. And um he should be winning awards come come May for his performances. So yeah, and also because he's that young, he's going to be around for a good 10, 15 more years. So, yeah, it's uh, Saka's going to be the next one to step up in terms of, I think, the face of England sort of thing once Kane retires, I reckon. Yeah, no, another 10, 15 years of that smile. He's he's yeah. such a, a nice lad, um, Kaya Saka. Um, let's just touch on Ukraine. I mean, from their support, they, they made a bit of noise. I, I don't know what they were singing about, but I can I can naturally assume what their, some of their songs were were aimed at. But sadly, the on the team on the pitch side of things, they they didn't really prove as much as a threat as as I thought they might have. No, um, as you and said, that's probably it, credit to us as well. Yeah, I mean, um, before the game and that when we were walking to the ground, it was just great to see so many Ukraine fans. Yeah. enjoying themselves and things like that. I mean, when I was walking down, there's a whole group of them having a bit of a sing song on the walks to the stadium. We all gave them high fives and everything. So yeah, it was just, it it was lovely to see. And also I was I've been saying to people after the game, like I just felt bad beating them so convincingly like that. It's just like this is just it's just a bit harsh. But yeah, I think it's a combination of factors. I mean, as you um discussed on your preview podcast, the management team isn't fully settled. I mean, the the manager is managing about 10,001 jobs. <laughs> so how can you be fully focused on yeah. international football if you've got club teams that to sort out? And also, just the, all their disruptions have just been, you, you know, the whole preparation has been disrupted. I mean, a few of the players who have come from Ukraine itself will have had a long journey just over to England with there being no direct flight. So that certainly doesn't help. Um but I think as well with Ukraine, I think they'll be happy to have got us out the way pretty early on because I mm. think they've got they've got a, they've got a, they'll be able to beat the likes of Malta and well North Macedonia will be a tough game but I think Ukraine have the good enough t- technical ability to beat them and obviously Italy I mean Italy are very hot and cold so anything can happen but yeah it, it was a shame but yeah. It was, I think it was just more of an occasion just to see, you know, the Ukraine fans enjoying themselves and and seeing that full away end as well was great. So, I, mean, I took a photo of it during their anthem when they all put their Ukraine flags up. It was some sight and 
I don't think the result really mattered to them. They're all having a great time, even at 2-0 down, they were bouncing around and things like that. So yeah, at the end of the day, it was a it was a nice, it was a nice event, nice occasion. And it was just a pity the players really couldn't deliver because I don't really remember any clear Ukraine chances, really. No, no, I don't think Pickford had a a great deal to do. Um I, I that's, that's the first time I've seen Mudrick um in in full flight, but I think at the, the couple of runs he made, he was caught offside. I think really, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how they uh, how they go forwards in the group. Will be interesting, and wish them all the best. Obviously, that if they can, as long as they don't come above us, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, just we've gone from Ukraine and they're saying they made um, some noise in the uh, in the stands, and, and as I said, it looked great with their putting their flags up. But from a um, from a Wembley, from an England point of view. The game probably didn't help the fact that it was done and dusted by half time. And well, we probably should be used to it now, all the Mexican waves and paper aeroplanes, but it, it doesn't feel like a football match, does it, really, to me? I don't know what you mean, but I think it's just because we've been so fortunate to experience the Euros in our home stadium. That's the thing. I think that's going to be very tough to beat. And I think. You know, I've always said this about England. There's always a different vibe in terms of crowd noise and things like that. So when it's a home qualifier or a friendly, you get a lot more families go. So the atmosphere ain't as um, hostile sort of thing. Um, while obviously when you go away, it's a lot more different because it's, you know, the, it's basically like the hardcore that go and watch yeah. England away and things like that. Um, yeah, the atmosphere was pretty weird. I don't know if that has something to do with the... With the Sunday five o'clock kickoff, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's just this sort of now England are doing regularly really well. I don't think there's like sort of um, there's just an expectation for that to happen, which we've seen creeping at some club teams, for example. I don't know. I mean, I was in Block 109 and that's the quietest it's been for quite a while, in my opinion. Obviously, there's a few a few songs going around and that, but it weren't, it's not like it's been the past few games or so but maybe I, I don't know it's it always rears its head the the Wembley debate but we all know why England is still having to play there um I don't know I, I can't really put a finger on it but at the end of the day we won on the pitch so that's what I'm more concerned about I'm not concerned about atmospheres and that you know when it comes to the big games against the big teams the atmosphere does usually ratchet up a bit but yeah I don't it was just as I say it was just more of like an occasion rather than you know yeah. oh we've got it Going, going to go and beat them, going to batter them sort of thing. There's not even any bad blood between England and Ukraine either. No, so no. On a footballing sense. So it's like there's no need to, you know, get all agitated about it. I mean, I expect when we play Italy at home in, I think it's like October or November time, mm. uh, I expect the atmosphere to be a lot more different and in terms of like because of what's happened in the past against Italy. So, yeah. It was it was weird, but again, I think a lot of people are just trying to find things to nitpick at because they can't have a go at the football team anymore. <laughs> you might be right. You might be right, and perhaps I'm uh, perhaps I'm one of those. I don't know, um, but being be interesting actually. If where I'm, I'm sure that the Italy game will be um, will be at Wembley, um, but it will, with North Macedonia being at Old Trafford, um, it'd be interesting maybe just to compare the two Wembley and, a, and a, a full Wembley and a full Old Trafford. There's not a great deal in um, capacities there. Maybe the uh, the atmosphere might be 
I don't know, just to compare it. Yeah, it, it's it'll be interesting. I mean, when um, we played Hungary at Wolves last last year, I thought yeah. the atmosphere there was um, really good. But again, that's because most of the England away supporters were, um, you know, we're all in that one stand, which is just one steep bank. Yeah. So um, Old Trafford's a bit like that. I mean, uh, I, I my tickets in the Stratford and so I'm so I'm gonna be like you know, in the standing area. But um, yeah, it will be interesting. But as I said, I think it's just, you know, people are going, we've got something to be, got to find something to be negative about. <laughs> well, okay, touch on, we'll um, speak about North Macedonia. We'll see how that all comes out um, when it comes around. But yeah, just just your thoughts on on the Italy game as well before. No, you didn't get to uh, to go out there, unfortunately, but watching it on the telly or wherever you saw it yeah well i'm watching the tv at home and um i've got to say that first half is one of the best first halves i've seen england play i mean we were all over them the pressing was great i mean italy were i think italy were a bit shocked from what happened for what happened from the first whistle they were just going oh god how do we cope with this and um we're all of the two goals and england were in control uh obviously second half was a bit Mix is a bit so-so. We dropped off quite a bit. I don't know because Southgate opted for game control rather than get a third or fourth. I mean, if Jack Green scored that third, I think yeah. Southwood and then started rotating people and things like that. And um, yeah, it sort of descended into a bit of a chaos, like as it usually does against Italy. Um, you know, people were getting booked, then they weren't booked, and then it was just all getting confusing, like the Carl Walker thing. I don't know if you heard about that, but I thought. He got booked twice, should be sent off, but he didn't. Oh, really? I was, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, he got he got booked. The graphic came on the screen saying yellow card, Carl Walker. Then he got booked again, and it came up with the graphic. And uh, I was watching the game with a few mates, and like, we go, it's Carl Walker sent off, isn't he? This mm. doesn't make any sense. And then, yeah, it was all a bit chaotic. And it, it, Italy, uh, Italy players were starting to go down at every the tackle and then they score and then once they scored I was like oh don't throw this away don't we've done so well to get to this position but it, I think that win on Wednesday was big it's got like the monkey off our back sort of thing in terms of beating Italy away from home and I think that performance is a real uh, marker in terms of England aren't here to mess around they want to they want to smash this qualifying campaign and then you know come tournament time they'll be they'll be ready and they'll be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I reckon that was probably the best away result since we beat Spain 3-2 in Seville, I think it was. I didn't go to that one, but um, I think it's probably up there, up there with a performance like that. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, that Spain result was an amazing uh, 90 minutes of football, but yeah, that Italy was just as good. I mean, you know, as we said that in football, obviously after the games before the game before as well at San Siro, where England were awful, that was that that game was horrible to yeah. watch, um, and like it, it seemed like all the wheels were coming off, and it was just like we've got to play Italy again this time for Euro qualifying, even though the top two teams go through anyway. But it it does help when you get to play established nations such as that in qualifying because you can sort of see where you're at. And I think that performance on Thursday would have put 
put a few doubts at ease in Southgate's mind in terms of what this team can achieve, what this team can do. We're on the up. We're on the up. Um, Matt, pleasure as always to have you on board. Um, no doubt we'll uh, we'll speak again at some time. Yes, no worries. Cheers for having me on, Russell. It's been, been a pleasure. Hiya, Russell. Gary here from Channel England Football. Two wins from two. What can we say? Exactly what we needed. And it's basically sealed our place in, in the Euros, hasn't it? Two of the toughest teams, two wins. It was a good day at Ukraine. Shame about the atmosphere. Let it down a little bit. I think people were just tired, really, from the from the Italy fixture. But, yeah, it was a good performance in the end. Good to see Saka get on the score sheet. Good to see Ivan Tony come on as well and Madison have a game. So, yeah. All in all, very good, positive international break for England. Hello, I'm Trevor from Norwich. And um, I travelled down to London yesterday with my son-in-law and some friends from work. We had an enjoyable day out. Good to meet up with friends down there and see England get another victory um, in their qualification for the Euros. I was so pleased to see um, James Madison start the game and play most of it. I prefer to see him there with Jack Grealish ready to bring on when necessary. Um, yes, a good day was had by uh, everybody and another good result. My thanks, as always, go to Matt there. No doubt we'll hear from him again at some point on the podcast. Now, let's just have a, uh, a look at some of the other results in Group C over this international break. Whilst we were beating Italy... North Macedonia beat Malta 2-1. And on the same day we played Ukraine, Italy won 2-0 away to Malta. It's obviously incredibly early days. But as the group stands at the moment, we are top of it with six points. Italy second with three. North Macedonia third. They're also on three points, but they've only played once. As have Ukraine, who are on zero points and in fourth place. And Malta, uh, they're already looking likely for the wooden spoon. Bottom, with no points, having played twice. Uh, Next up in qualifying, Friday the 16th of June. We play Malta away on the same night North Macedonia host Ukraine. Then Monday the 19th of June, we are at Old Trafford to play North Macedonia, whilst Ukraine entertain Malta. Now, because we're a five-team group, Italy don't have any qualifiers in June as they're involved in the Nations League finals, which are being played at the same time, uh, along with Croatia, Spain and the Netherlands. So another two wins there would put us in complete control of the group. I'm sure you'll agree. But some interesting results from some other games across the groups. There was a surprising 3-2 win for Kazakhstan against Denmark. Scotland left it late to beat Cyprus. France beat neighbours, the Dutch, 4-0. Although it would appear a flu virus swept through the Dutch team. Iceland put seven past Liechtenstein. Portugal put six past Luxembourg. Uh, whilst I was scrolling through some of those results... I was I was looking for Germany. I was thinking, well, how did Germany get on? Uh, of course, Germany hosting the Euros. They don't need to qualify for it. Uh, 
yeah, so maybe maybe you've made the same mistake as me. Uh, and of course, there were a few other England teams playing during this international window. The under twenty ones, uh, they played at Leicester against France. They won four nil. Well done to them. Emil Smith Rowe, Noni Maduki, Curtis Jones, and Jacob Ramsey on the score sheet. There, this after following Bulligan withdrew days after being selected. He was then seen in America watching the Orlando Magic basketball team. He's going to eventually play for the Yanks, isn't he? Uh, But of course, the under-21s, they also play again on Tuesday the 28th of March, home to Croatia, that game being played at Fulham. It's a game I'm planning to go to, another ground uh, to tick off. And the under-20s beat America 4-2 in a a match over in southern Spain. I have to be honest, I don't know a huge amount about that one, but well done to them. Thank you as always for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope I gave a little insight into an England away game. I'll be back very soon with another episode. And as soon as the men's international window closes, the women's one opens. Our lionesses are in action very soon against Australia and Brazil. And I'll be having a preview episode for that one coming your way very soon. Stay subscribed. You won't miss it. So until then, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.